Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, good morning. Welcome into the show. Bill Ryder with you, filling in for Jim. Jim is off this week, and I'm in today. 1-800-636-8686. Rome at haveatake.com. At Jim Rome, jimrome.com. You can yell at me, talk to me, say what's up. Sports writer, sports R-E-I-T-E-R. I am coming to you live, by the way, from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. Man, a lot of things to get to. Ice Cube's going to be on the show, talk some big three and some Lakers. Mark Medina and Jeff Silga, both from USA Today, will be on the program over the next few hours to talk some NBA playoffs. And Alana Rizzo, MLB Network, former Dodgers reporter will join the program to talk what's going on in the majors, get into Urban Meyer, Sounding as tone deaf as always about life as an NFL head coach. Some praise for Chris Middleton. Some criticism for Trey Young. By the way, one of my favorite players in the NBA. We'll hit a bunch of things. And before we start on the show, get into some of the sports, I just want to honor and talk about, tell a story about Smack Off. This is obviously the first show since the 27th Smack Off. And um, I told the story on the show that I host here on CBS Sports Radio in the mornings, the two hours before Jim's show. It must have been 15 years ago. I lived in Kansas City for for a long time. And when I lived in Des Moines before that and and Kansas City after that, so a good 12 or 13 years of my life, I had a different schedule than I have now. I didn't work as much, worked at a newspaper, had work from home, listened to Jim almost every day. And I once got in a whole bunch of trouble with my wife because of Jim Roman and the smack off. I don't remember all the details. I just know I had some errands I had to run. I think I had to pick up Lori at work and just like casually got in the car and totally forgot it was smack off day. Got in the car. It was a smack off. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to this on the drive home. It'll take me 10 minutes to get home. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do the chores. I'm going to pick up my wife. And I sat in our parking spot in our parking garage, one of those garages that's above ground but but gated so you can get the radio signal. And I listened to the smack off every minute for three hours through the commercials, through all of you going after each other. It was pure magic. And I knew my phone started buzzing. It's one of those things where my phone just started vibrating. And I think I turned it over the first few times that it was it was an increasing level of Lori saying, where are you? What Have you done whatever chores? And I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to accept the consequences. And I'm going to listen to the entire thing. So on Friday, right? I wasn't a pro back then. I was recently married. Pro move. On Friday, I agreed to do a bunch of errands. I go, babe, let me get the groceries. Let, no, no, no. Let me go get the clothes. And I would come home, drop off the clothes. Right? I would sit in the garage, commercial, take the clothes. And Lori's like, this is really sweet. Like, is this because we're going on vacation? Yeah, babe. That's because I love you. I just, I want to be a better. No, I didn't want to be a better person. I just wanted to listen to those of you lucky enough to have an opportunity to let your voice be heard. I wanted to hear you do your thing. So um, it was. A, by the way, I don't know if I'm if, if if it's recency bias or not. What a great, great show Friday was. Garrett Ritt is here. Alvin Delaro is here. My buddy Tom DiBenedetto now works works on the show. He, he's not here today, and, and Adam Hawk. But to those guys too, you guys crushed it. Great show. Uh, amazing. It was. It was one of the best smack-offs I think I've ever listened to, and I've listened to almost all of them. And the winner, as, as you know, Brad and Corona, the guys won 81 times or whatever the hell it is. And so here's um just you know before we get into the program, uh, amazing call. I was going to get milk, I think, because it was toward the end, when, when, when Brad got on the air. And, and so this is part of what you heard. 
Hey, speaking of guys who can barely repeat after me, Mark in Boston had a great call earlier where he made fun of me for having pre-canned rebuttals, and then he proceeded to hit Cal in Vegas with a pre-canned rebuttal right before his pre-canned audio. Hey, Mark, if I wanted to hear a poor man's Leffen Laguna, I'd have Rome replay the end of that Vicken no-cal call where he got everybody real excited he was going to hang up and then had a five-minute monologue starring himself as Rick in Buffalo. Even Caleb in Green Bay had some nice pre-recorded audio in both of his phone calls earlier. Which call are we voting on, Jim? The first one where you hung up on him or the second one where you felt sorry for him like one of his tender dates, called him back because you felt guilty, and waited until he hung up on himself? By the way, if everyone's strategy on how to win one of these things involves copying the dude who won the year before, then I just want to say I look forward to the triumphant return of crank jokes in Smack Off 28. I did love that Cal in Vegas actually stammered his way through his phone call earlier. Cal is basically Rick in Buffalo with no college degree and a speech impediment. Jim, I was on www.whatever.paralympic.org earlier checking out the qualification criteria to get into the Paralympic Games in Tokyo. They list ten things that would make you eligible. Cal meets seven of the ten criteria, and you only need one to get in, Jim. Cal, all you got to do now is find a sport you don't suck at. Either that or maybe they'll let you show up and use you as a relay baton. Cal's a tiny guy, Jim. He once got arrested for having child pornography on his cell phone, but... The cops had to let him go once they realized it was just a bunch of naked selfies he had on there. It's a pretty good call. It's a pretty good call. Congratulations, Dr. Brandon Corona. Uh, was that the call where Jim started laughing? There, I think it was. Where Jim, like, It was so good. I think I heard Jim. Uh, I think I heard Jim laugh. All right, so Bill Ryder filling in. Jim is off this week. I'm here today. Thank you for listening on CBS Sports Radio. Thank you for watching uh, on CBS Sports Network. Congratulations to Brad and Corona and a bunch of them. I mean, the, there were, Vic's call was great. There, was, there were so many calls that were great. So appreciate all of you listening. And it's, uh, as always, a pleasure to be here. Let's, uh, let's get into some sports. Let's get into the show. So over the course of the weekend, you had a terrible basketball game on Saturday. That is one of the worst playoff games I've ever seen. I don't even know what the final score was. Let me pull it up right. 89 to 84 to 80. That is a 1990s Knicks versus Kings game. And across the board, both those teams were brutal. Paul George's regress to whatever form prompted the criticism that I think all of us had and should have had before he played well in the second round of these playoffs. The Sun shot 20% from the three-point line. 20%, 36% 20%, 36% from the field. Chris Paul didn't hit a 3, 0 for 3. Devin Booker didn't hit a 3, 0 for 5. And yet the Suns found a way to win. And the Bucks had a similar game, not as atrocious, not as ugly, not a total dumpster fire. But yesterday, Milwaukee's win over Atlanta came after a terrible first half, in which Milwaukee in that first half shot 21.4% from the three-point line, in which most of the guys, not Giannis, Giannis was awesome the whole way through, did not play well. And in which the Hawks eventually build a 15-point lead. And, and here's the, the truth of the NBA. A reality of being a champion. Especially, especially in the NBA. Less true in the National Football League. Because obviously it's one and done in the playoffs. And sort of true in Major League Baseball. At least in the NBA. To be an NBA champion. You almost always have to find a way in, in the postseason. To win at least one game where you play awful. Where, where you play badly. Great teams. Championship teams. Find ways to win when they shouldn't. The Bucks did that yesterday. That Atlanta team was remarkably in rhythm and confident in the first half. They should have been up 
by a ton more points than that half ended. And if you watch, Milwaukee kind of chipped away at the end of the second quarter. And the Suns played the worst bat. That's the worst basketball game they've played this year. That's one of the worst basketball games they played in two years. Devin Booker, 8 to 22. Chris Paul, 6 to 22. And maybe just as shocking, he had four turnovers. CP3 never turns the ball over. This was the game the Suns are supposed to lose. Clippers go down 0 2. We know the Clippers came back from 0 2 deficits in the first and second round. Suns win their first two games at home. They lose that game three. And then you come into game four, and the Suns can't shoot. Devin Booker's got the broken nose, mask on, mask off, isn't really sure what to do, right? Looks way off. Chris Paul, second game back from being out more than a week. COVID health and safety protocols. Chris Paul was so gassed, he looked like me when I play sports. Did you see this? They tried not to show up, but a couple timeouts, Chris Paul surrounded by his teammates early in the game, by the way, not like the fourth quarter, third quarter, second quarter, hands on his knees, huffing and puffing. This is the game, if you're Phoenix, you're supposed to lose. And by the way, it's the game the Clippers are supposed to take. And the fact the Suns found a way to gut it out, to win that game, to play good enough, ugly enough, tough enough, gritty enough to get the win, that is what champions do. And not everybody was awful. DeAndre Ayton was incredibly good. And later in the show, if there's time, I hope there's time, there's a lot of things I want to get to, I do want to play DeAndre Ayton's praise for Chris Paul. And how Chris Paul, who I've criticized a lot on the show, and rightfully so, accurately, every single time, Chris Paul's found the right place, the right instrument, I think maybe for his opus. I like the Suns to win the whole thing. I'm a little biased. I've got the Suns at 18-1 to to be NBA champions. I bet them a long time ago. Yesterday, or excuse me, two days ago, Saturday, Game 4, showed me why the Suns can get it done. You find a way to win those kind of games on a night where your stars can't hit a three, when your stars are terrible, when your entire team makes one out of every three shots, where you only make one out of every five three-pointers and you win that game on the road to go up 3-1, that is the kind of DNA, the kind of approach, the kind of mental toughness that champions have to have. You find a way to win when you shouldn't. And the Bucks game wasn't as ugly. And I'm going to get into some Trey Young criticism in a little bit. But suffice it to say that Milwaukee was not the best team on the floor for, for most of that game. They weren't. I thought Atlanta played better. That, that Atlanta crowd was on fire, which was really cool about it. How nice is it? How refreshing is it to start to hear an arena full of people going nuts? It feels like normal life. I don't know where, wherever you're listening. I hope it's like that where you are. L.A. is starting to feel normal. In fact, my drive today, I don't know about the guy. I don't know about Alvin and Garrett. There's traffic again. I usually leave kind of late now when I come down to hang out at Jim Studios here in Southern California. Traffic was unbelievable. I'll take it. Normalized coming back. Real crowds are coming back. That Hawks crowd I thought was going to push Atlanta over the top. And Milwaukee found a way to do it. Giannis finally, for the love of God, thank God Giannis, and he took a couple threes, I think, and, and hit one. But Giannis started to play like the player that he is. And this is what Shaq has said on TNT. I'm going to quote him because he's right. And, and Chuck has said it. There's not a player in the NBA right now who has the physical skills, the size, the length, the strength, the quickness of Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's, it's remarkable what he can do physically. And, and he can't shoot, but he can handle the ball. He can start at the top of the key. He can also get down on the block. And, and to see the Bucks just feed him the rock again and again, Several times just starting in the paint, like he's a center, which he needs. That's the thing about Giannis that makes him so special. 
yeah, he can be your point forward to a degree, right? Handle the ball, begin the attack, play downhill, attack the rim, get to the free throw line, make half of those, maybe get some buckets, open up the corners for the guys. But I like seeing him down there in the paint, back to the basket, getting the ball, backing guys down. That aggression from Milwaukee, that ability to not give up as they played a really bad first half, the Suns' ability to win a game where they were totally and utterly atrocious and awful, that is what championship teams do. It's why you're almost certainly going to see Suns-Milwaukee in the NBA Finals. I think the Suns are going to win the whole thing. Despite what happened on Saturday, that is the most consistent team and now the healthiest team, to a degree, right? Chris Paul is going to get back into rhythm. He's going to get back into shape. I think Devin Booker is going to figure out how to deal with his mask, not a mask, play the way that he needs to play with that pain. And, and, and give the Clippers credit. They didn't do a lot well on Saturday. They did make Devin Booker feel them. I mean, there were so many times they set picks, and they would just lean their chest a little bit right into his face. And you could see a couple times where he just bumped his nose in the shock of pain. Good. Be physical. It's part of the deal. But the Suns are mostly healthy, right, to a degree. They don't have this Kawhi Leonard thing, which would have changed the entire the entire series. The Suns are the most consistent team in the NBA that remain, and maybe overall, Saturday notwithstanding. In the one game, they have a, a down game that they win. And the Bucks are the other healthy team. They've got their guys. They're ready to roll. They're going to play each other. I know Ty Lue is all chill. We can just, you know, let's take it a game at a time. Clippers are done. They're done. They're dead in the water. It's over. I, I think Atlanta could still could still rise up and win the series. I don't think they will, but we've seen some susceptibility from, from Milwaukee. We've seen them play badly and play down to their competition and lose. That's another reason I like what we saw yesterday. Great teams, championship teams, find ways to win when they're not supposed to. The Bucks look like they might lose that game yesterday. The Suns were awful on Saturday. And each finding a way to win, I think, showed something about those teams. Uh, Bill Ryder with you here on the show. 1-800-636-8686. JimRome.com, at JimRome. I'm on vacation this week, after today. So if you want to, I'll have all kinds of time to luxuriate in your tweets. Nice ones, not nice ones. Sports writer, sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. It's my, my last name. If you want to give us a call, 1-800-636-8686. Ice Cube, the guy behind the big three, going to join me next year on the Jim Rome Show. You're listening to the Jim Rome Show. a metaphor for your business's journey. Sometimes it feels like the course keeps changing right before your eyes. Whoa! And in order to maneuver it, you need an expert by your side. That's what Dell Technologies advisors do. They have the tech solutions you need to help you get out in front and stay ahead of the game. Whew. For advice on solutions like XPS 13 laptops powered by Intel Evo platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Bill Ryder with you here on the program. 1-800-636-8686. RomanHaveATake.com. At Jim Rome. JimRome.com. You can hit me up on Twitter. Sports Rider. Sports R-E-I-T-E-R. Jim is off this week. I'm filling in today. Appreciate you listening as always. If you want to call in, 1-800-636-8686. And again, Congratulations to Brad and Corona. Did you want six of those? That's a lot. Six of 27 is a pretty good run. It was a great call. It was a, it was a, of course it was. It, it, it won this 27th smack off. It was a great call. We're going to have Ice Cube on the show here 
in, in a few minutes. We're going to talk Damian Lillard in about 20 minutes. Damian Lillard wants out. He wants out of Portland. The guy reporting the story, Chris Haynes from Yahoo, is not just excellent at what he does. He's also very close to Damian Lillard. And so when that happens, you know that's coming from Damer's camp. I might ask uh, Ice Cube. He might sort of roll his eyes at the question, but I think it's interesting. Who would you rather have if you're the Lakers? Damian Lillard or Anthony Davis? People are going to think I'm crazy. I would rather have Damian Lillard. I know he's 30. I know he's a point guard. I, I know there's all these things that AD can do. But Lillard is consistently healthy. And AD's not. And they're not going to trade Anthony. I get it. They're not going to trade Anthony Davis. Rich Paul's his agent. I get it. I got it. That's just how much I value Dame. That's how good I think that guy. You put Damian Lillard on the Knicks, on the Heat, on the Mavericks. I mean, you put him on any team that he's actually willing to go to. And they are a top two or three team in whatever conference that they're in. They are absolutely that good. I want to... um. I want to give Chris Middleton a little bit of love, by the way. Later in the show, I'm going to get on Trey Young. And Trey Young is a is a top three or four or five favorite player of mine in the NBA. I'm just a, I'm a fan. I'm not sure if you're supposed to be a fan of guys when you cover the NBA, but if you're not, oh well, that ship has sailed for me. Huge fan of Damian Lillard. Huge fan of Steph Curry. Huge fan of Trey Young. I, I, I like those guys. I like their style. I like their approach. I've got some 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 advice and some criticism for Trey. And I've got some praise right now while we wait for Ice Cube for, for Chris Middleton. Middleton's been atrocious. And if you listen to the show that I host in the mornings here on CBS Sports Radio, Bill Ryder, by the way, filling for, for Jim here on the Jim Rome Show, you know that that my belief in the Bucks and their ability to win the whole thing is predicated entirely on, on how Chris Middleton plays. I, I know what Giannis is going to do. Giannis is going to get 25 to 30 and 10 almost every single game. He's going to miss his free throws. But he's going to attack the rim, and he's going to play aggressively. He's going to play well. Chris Middleton's got to play at an all-star level. He's got to. And he did it in that game yesterday. 16-24, to 24, 38 points. Hit half of his 12 three-point shots, three-point attempts. Dude was awesome. Absolutely awesome. And he deserves some credit. And he's a huge part of the reason Milwaukee won. Now, we'll see if that can be, that can be consistent. All right, so... so Really excited about this. It's nice the real world's coming back. And that includes the Big Three. The long wait is finally over. Big Three is back in a big way. Fourth season. And its co-founder, Ice Cube, promises it's going to be the hottest league this summer. And Ice Cube joins us right now on the show. Ice Cube, thanks for uh, thanks for making time, man. What up, Bill? How you doing, man? I'm good, dude. So uh, congrats on the Big Three being back. We're excited. H- how um everything, it feels like, changed from, from COVID. How has the Big Three changed? Um... Uh, got bigger and better um you know we had to postpone and actually cancel our season last year so you know we went into survival mode uh but doing that we were able to to have some great additions uh we hired a new ceo chris hannon uh who who really helped us stabilize the league again and bring on new sponsors and partners um got new players, um, and we're ready to go. Um, new league, new look, uh, new year. Here we go. Ice Cube here on the Jim Rome Show. Bill Ryder filling in. Um, 
I see that there are there are tryouts for anyone 22 and older can apply and try out. Do, do you think there's an appetite for a 43 year old, relatively <laughs> short but a, a aggressive defensive force, Ice Cube? You think? I mean, should I just throw my hat in the ring? Uh, no, nah, man. Come, <laughs> come, come to Vegas. I get you a seat right next to me, and we'll check out the game. Uh, when you see these guys play at this level, nowhere in the world you want to get out there. You know these dudes are. You know, the top-notch athletes uh, playing the game. And with three-on-three, it's different than five-on-five because, you know, in three-on-three, you can't be a specialist. you got to have an all-around game. You know, you can't just be a shooter. You can't just be defense. you got to be shoot, pass, dribble, and defend. So uh, you got to have an all-around game to be successful in the big three. So I think we'll just watch. All right, I'm going to take you up on it. I'm going to clip that and send it to your people and try to, try to get that. And you're right. I have a, a standing bet with Gary Payton that I could score a single basket on him in, in a game to 11 by ones. And Jim Jackson told me that Gary would just break me in half. That he would just that I would that I would literally cease to exist. So I'm gonna Ice Cube. I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna take your word from it. I'm just gonna watch the Big Three like I have every summer, other than last summer, obviously because of uh because of because of COVID. And you guys are gonna. It's a little different in terms of where you're you're gonna be this year. Couple yeah. locations, including Vegas, for people who want to get out there, like most of us, experience real life, have some fun, travel, watch some hoops. Where's Where's the Big Three gonna be? How can people get out there and uh, and take it in? We're in Las Vegas. We're at the Orleans Arena starting July 10th. It's such a cool event. Six games for the price of one. You get to see the whole league. Uh, Our games go pretty fast, so seeing the whole league there is just a treat. We usually bring out a few entertainers. We just signed a great partnership with Monster Energy, so they're going to send us some skateboarders and BMX bike guys. Dunkers, dancers, we got everything. So uh, it's a great, fun time. Uh, we're loose. We're not as as rigid as uh, as the NBA. You know, the NBA. You know, sometimes you just see corporate guys in the audience. In our audience, you see you see the folks, you see fans, you see real people out there enjoying themselves. So it's a great time. Ice Cube here on the Jim Rome Show. Bill Ryder filling in for for Jim. Uh, Ice Cube, I know you're um, Ice Cube. I know you're a you're a huge Lakers fan. Look, nobody wants to go out in the first round, but d- does it sting a little bit less because of what happened not that long ago in, in, in last year's season? Yeah, I wasn't even really worried about it this year. Um, you know, LeBron did bring a championship with uh, AD. This this season really started very very quick. I think they only had. 60 days off before they was back at it. Uh, the injuries hit us. And and plus, LeBron, you know, he wanted to promote Space Jams this year. So, you know, he couldn't do that if he went to the finals. So, you know, we'll wait till next year, hopefully add another ring and another banner to the so many we already have. Do you, um, do you like the LeBron AD core? I know this would never happen, but Damian Lillard – I mean, it's pretty clear he, he's ready to move out of Portland. It's, and he's been so loyal to that organization. I get where he's coming from. Is there any scenario where you'd want the Lakers to, to look at Damian Lillard, you know, even if they're, you know, a little Anthony Davis trade was, was part of that deal? Um, I, love, I love Dame, you know. I mean, he's one of my favorite players in the league. Um, 
you know, it would be hard to get rid of AD. I just think, you know, um, somebody who's that talented, you know, not only around the basket, but handling the basketball. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if we want to get rid of that. You know, we got to find a way to keep everybody and get Dame. So, you know, we might have to get rid of some dudes on the bench, but, you know, that would be a fantastic addition to an already strong team. Dame, yeah, Dame is so good. Ice Cube here on, on the show. Big Three is back. It is in Las Vegas, fourth season at the New Orleans Casino. And uh, it's an incredible show. It's an incredible league. Ice Cube, last question for you before we let you run. Um, before we get into the Big Three, obviously we've got these NBA Finals to get through. we got four teams left. Kind of feels to me like the Suns, but but anybody can win this thing. Who do you like at where we stand now? Do you got a, do you got a favorite of the four that are left? Mine is the Suns. Uh, you know, Booker is great. You know, great young player that I enjoy to watch. Uh, CP3, um, I think he deserves it. You know, he's been in the league a while, and we, we know he's great. And uh, to add a, a championship and a ring, I think that would top off a great career for him. Or even if he didn't win it, it you know, he still had a great career, but I'm pretty sure it would uh it would be the icing on this cake. And so yeah, I wanna see the Suns do it. I'm with you, man. I also got, you know, a little money on them at eighteen to one, so I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, gotta win that cash. I know, dude. Well, I'll be in Vegas to collect, so I'll you know, we'll, we'll, I'll come sit next to you and you'll be like, Who's yep. this dude? It's Bill. I got your seat warm, man. Just come on through. <laughs> Appreciate you. Looking forward to the big three, Ice Cube. Thanks for being on, man. Yeah, yeah. Take it easy. I dude. Uh big three is back. Finally, fans back in the stands. First game is July tenth. Game's going to be played in Vegas and New Orleans over the course of eight weeks leading up to round playoff in the Bahamas. And Big Three will continue to enhance its atmosphere at games. Check it out. It's a good product, man. I mean, I love who. I, three on three is so different. Somebody should try out. I, I want some random guy to just try out and get out there. It won't be me. I'm not. Let's see. I'm not athletic enough, tall enough, or uh, of, of the right age. I like the Suns. Wouldn't you trade? Wouldn't you consider trading Anthony Davis for Damian? I would. No one else would agree. I love AD. He's massively talented. Guy can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy. And the difference is for me, and this is not going to be a popular opinion, and I get it. Lakers are amazing. If they stay healthy, they're going to be championship contenders. I think Anthony Davis is amazing. But here's my unpopular and accurate opinion here on the Jim Rome Show. Here is a truth nobody wants to hear. Anthony Davis cannot be the best player on a championship level team. He can't be. He can't be. I've seen that story before. I think Damian Lillard can be. It just needs to be somebody that's not T.J. McCollum. So so for me, I, I know he's older, but I feel pretty comfortable that when Dane passes LeBron talent-wise, because LeBron's gotten older, but LeBron is you know a top 15 player instead of a top one player, they're still a contender. I don't know if I believe that when a few years from now LeBron is not as good as Anthony Davis. I, I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's true. The, the issue becomes there's no way in hell Anthony Davis is letting himself go to Portland. It's always cool talking to Ice Cube, right? It, it, it's a little surreal when that happens. And that's probably the fourth time that I've interviewed the guy. Look, I know there's very little chance that his invitation he extended here on the Jim Rome Show, that I can go to Vegas and sit with him uh, on the floor is real. But I can tell you two things. One, I'm going to find out. I'm going to try. And two, I believe, unlike Garrett Ritt, that the percentage chance is higher than zero. I went in after the break and said, what do you, what do you think the percentage chance is? And I was looking for a 2%. 
and and Garrett while he was um between his bananas. Apparently, he's moved on from hot chocolate to banana. He's had like eleven bananas. So they hold held up a great big zero. It ain't zero. I'm going for it. It's a pretty amazing experience. I've sat on the floor at two NBA games as a fan, once with the Maloofs when they own the Kings, and once with a buddy of mine who who's friends with Jeannie Buss, or just randomly, you know. And both both times, LeBron James, who who knows who I am ish, looked at me very confused because the Kings game was was against the Heat back uh, back in the day. All right, so look, rep- reporters don't like it when you when you out their uh, their sources. They're 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 not a fan. And I've got a story about a guy that's a good example I told on my show, but I don't know if this reporter is a friend of, of, of the Jim Rome show. And it's really important to me when I fill in on any show, but especially this show, that I respect the show and I stay in my lane. So I'm not going to name that reporter on the, on the off chance that he's a friend of the show. But I once, uh, when I was covering LeBron James in the Heat, a, a writer, a air quotes, necessarily, very much needed. So you're going to hear it if you're not watching on CBS Sports Network. A respected, not really writer, NBA writer, wrote a column after the Heat, you know, first year of the Big Three, started 9-8, and eight, saying that that Eric Spolstra hurt LeBron's feelings and he might need to be fired. It was this huge thing, and Eric Spolstra might need to go. And I've never seen a more ham-fisted, awkward or pathetic attempt to sh- to hide to hide the source. It was clearly LeBron complaining to this respected writer. And I wrote a column when I was at a different a different shop than I am now calling out the writer. The writer was associated with LeBron and, and just saying like this is LeBron going after Spolster. And the writer called me and screamed at me for an hour. It was really cool. Like, I got like confrontation, so I put on my headphones. I was eating some food in Miami. I lived in South Beach. I was eating I think I was actually in Coconut Grove at the time, eating some food. And I would just mute him and let him scream. He would scream at me for an hour. It was inc- and then I finally got done with my food, finished my two lattes, not one, but two, because I was tired from the night before, and, and then let him have it. And um, the guy I'm about to describe is not that. But, but my point is that people don't like to have their sources outed. They don't like to have people talking about who they're quoting. And yet I think the context is really important, and I think it, it speaks to why Damian Lillard is going to leave Portland, Oregon. I really think he is. I don't know Chris Haynes. I don't know. I don't think I've ever spoken to Chris Haynes. But I can tell you this. He's one of the best NBA reporters in the country. He's remarkably well-respected by his colleagues and the people that he covers. And he is in that handful of people. I think there's seven or eight NBA writers. You know, Woj, um, Sam Amick, Howard Beck, Chris Haynes. I'm forgetting a few guys who went shams, who when they report something, you know it's on the up and up. They're, they're you know, they're in the top tier of what they do. But Chris Haynes has another level of credibility as it relates to this story. And it, it's important, and I'm going to give you the context, and I hope he doesn't call and yell at me. He is friends with Damian Lillard. He covered Damian Lillard, and Damian Lillard likes him on a social level and respects him. Respects him in a serious way. And it's hard to earn the respect and the trust of, of guys that are in the limelight like that. And, and Damian Lillard's a particularly discerning superstar. He's a loyal guy. He's loyal to where he's from. He, is, he was under-recruited coming out of, of high school. He was un, under-drafted when, when Neil O'Shea and the, and the Trailblazers snatched him up in, in that first round. And the fact that Chris Haynes, who has a relationship with Damian Lillard, who's covered Damian Lillard, who's lived in Portland, Oregon, who, who doesn't get things wrong ever, but especially on, on a Lillard story, is reporting at Yahoo Sports that the coaching process, which we'll get into a second, and really the inability to build a, a title-contending roster – may push Lillard out of Portland, that's not coming from, from, from Portland. It's not even coming just from an agent. 
I'm just going to speculate, even if it makes people angry, that's coming from Damian Lillard. That is Damian Lillard going to the reporter he trusts, someone who's respected, someone he has a relationship with, and saying it's time to get this out there. I think Lillard's gone. And normally I'd be pretty judgmental and angry about it. I don't like guys forcing their way out of contracts. It's bad for the NBA. It's bad for professional sports in general. I don't really care what Aaron Rodgers' drama is. I'm sure he's got some. You have a contract operating under your contract. Part of the reason the NFL, there's a lot of reasons the NFL is a huge and amazing sport and a big deal in this country. But one of them is the fact that Green Bay, Wisconsin can be a legitimately competitive market. Look, my family lived in Green Bay for several years. I'm from Dubuque, Iowa. I'm not hating on Wisconsin. I'm going there for a wedding this summer. I love that area. But no, let's not kid ourselves. If there was an NBA team or a Major League Baseball team in Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is not a big market, they would never be successful. The reason you can be successful in Green Bay or Kansas City or wherever it may be is because there's parity. And part of the reason there's parity is that guys can't force their way wherever the hell they want to. That is a problem for the NBA. It's why I like LeBron James and think he should get more credit. Whatever your drama with how he's moved, he's never forced his way out of a deal. Same for Kevin Durant. It's why I can't root for James Harden and Kyrie Irving and why, even though this might sound unkind, I'm really happy Brooklyn lost that series. I don't like guys for deals. And yet, there are exceptions to the rule, and I think this is... Damian Lillard has put up... CJ McCollum, who's a great draft pick, by the way, by, by Neil O'Shea, the GM in, in Portland and, and that organization, hasn't been the right fit. And and I said this this morning on, on Rider Than You, on, on my show, when I started to do television and be social with some NBA players and some former NBA players, when I started to have guys roll through the green room when I worked at Fox Sports 1 or, or meet them on the golf course, because when you work with guys, you're social with guys, I would ask the same question every time, and that was, what is the least desirable city to play in in the NBA? And this isn't my view. This is not my view, Portland, Oregon. I love your city. My wife and I have a vacation there. I love Portland. It is the view of people in the NBA. I think I think I must have asked that question of 15 or 20 people, and every answer was Portland is the place that I and people who play in the league or did least want to play. That makes it really hard for Damian Lillard to be successful. And that's before you get into this, this Chauncey Billups ugliness and drama. If you missed it, and there's a little bit of... um. You can call it hypocrisy. It's certainly nuanced. The guy that Damian Lillard wanted to coach him was Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd has his own allegations in the past of domestic abuse. Chauncey Billups, who just got hired to be the head coach in Portland, uh, has been in the past accused of sexual assault. From a 1997 incident involving other NBA players in Boston, and the details are ugly. In fact, Garrett was looking at this morning. They're ugly and they're awful. I don't know if they're true, obviously. I do know that they are really, really disgusting allegations in terms of if it's true. It is, it is. It would always be horrific. The details are, are horrific even by the standards of, of, of sexual assault. And, and so what happened is that Jason Kidd is the person Damian Lillard wanted. Jason Kidd took his name out of the running for the Trailblazers head coaching job. Jason Kidd's now going to Dallas. And the person that Portland hired is Chauncey Billups. And a lot of fans in Portland... Very angry about it, very angry about the allegations, very angry about, especially in 2021, especially in Portland, Oregon, uh, about that organization bringing that guy in and started to hit up, hit up Damian Lillard with their frustration, their blame, their anger. We know you did this. This is on you. And Damian Lillard's response was basically was a version of, oh, you want to blame me? Okay, watch out. And according to Chris Haynes, part of the reason 
Dame is looking to go is because he feels like he's getting the flack for what is a hire that is under some serious moral scrutiny. Damian Lillard's gone, man. Look, you never know. Lillard could change his mind, and he's been incredibly loyal. I mean, this is a guy who stuck around and tried to make— Remember when LaMarcus Aldridge left all those years ago? Remember that actually mattered when it felt like that was a big deal? Everybody said, oh, they're screwed now. But Portland's got no chance. Lillard stuck through that, stuck through terrible seasons, injuries, some runs. They made a run to the Western Conference Finals. But I understand where he's coming from. What is he, 30 years old? And I think that if you place Damian Lillard on the New York Knicks, the Miami Heat, he's not going to Charlotte. But Charlotte, I mean, you name a team that's relatively talented to really talented, right? I mean, the Miami Heat made the finals last year, not that long ago, in the bubble. And that's a really, I think that's a pretty good basketball team already. But they've got some guys they can move. If Damian Lillard goes to one of those organizations, they're a contender. I don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi Leonard. I have no insight. Neither does anyone else. Neither does anyone in the Clippers. But Kawhi Leonard's injured. There are reports now that he's unhappy with the trainers and what's going on there. That does not bode well for Kawhi Leonard, who can be a free agent, deciding to go somewhere else. He did that with the Spurs. Can you imagine Damian Lillard with the Clippers and Paul George? I think they're a championship-level team. Paul George is a lot like Scottie Pippen, at best. By the way, so is Anthony Davis. Not capable of being the number one guy on a championship team. Capable of being the number two guy. If Kawhi's healthy, the Clippers are... I really like the Suns. But but Chris Paul missed a couple of games. They still won those games, but still... The, the series might might feel different. Devin Booker's got a broken nose. If Kawhi were healthy, the Clippers might win the series. Certainly if Damian Lillard were swapped in for Kawhi, since Kawhi's not there, there's a chance. Damian Lillard's that good. He's that talented. I don't think anybody would call Damian Lillard a top five player in the NBA, right? If I said that, I think most people would be like, ah, maybe not. If you put Damian Lillard on the Knicks, or the Heat, or the Lakers, or the Clippers, or the Bucks, and by the way, the Bucks and the Lakers aren't realistic. Even though I asked Ice Cube about it. Philly's realistic. I'm Philly. I think he probably does become a, about a top five player. Because now he's doing it every night on a team that's great. They're top of the conference standings, whatever conference he's in. He's probably scoring 30 a night. He's probably hitting huge shots because he's in a lot more close games. They're going to win more games. And he's almost certainly, after the first year, a championship-level contender like the Nets, like the Bucks, like the Lakers. So he's getting the attention he deserves. He's that good. If you're Portland, I don't know what you do. Because you've seen the story. Neil O'Shea knows. Look at James Harden. James Harden didn't want to be in Houston, forced his way out. What did Houston get back? A bunch of broken players? Guys aren't even there anymore? A top draft pick? I mean, there's no guarantee you're going to get back superstar return or great picks. I've been really hard on Sam Presti in Oklahoma City for accumulating 51 picks between now and 3,031. But I may be wrong. But do you really want to tell your fan base in Portland, by the way, that is as difficult, I think it's more difficult to recruit to than Oklahoma City. Look, I know that we were in the conference finals a few years ago. I know that every single series in the postseason we had a chance because we had Damian Lillard. But but we're going to trade him. But here's the good news. We're going to get a bunch of picks, and we're pretty sure by 2029 we could win 41 games. Does that work for you guys? No? Okay, great, good. Sounds great. That is a massive problem in Portland. And it's one they're going to have to navigate. Because Damian Lillard... Telling Chris Haynes or someone around Damon Hillard, Lillard telling Chris Haynes. And forget whoever told him. I mean, I think that's what it is. Chris Haynes 
who has access to Damian Lillard, right? Who can call him on the phone. Even if it came from somewhere else, he's not going to write that story without running to buy Damian Lillard. This is how journalism works. And if it's wrong, Lillard would at a minimum, because their friends say, dude, don't, don't go with that. Bro, don't go with that. This is real. Damian Lillard wants out. And Lillard doesn't do false threats, and he's never done it before. He's gone, guys. That's my read. He is absolutely gone. And the NBA is going to look 100% different as a result. All right, Bill Ryder here on the Jim Rome Show, 1-800-636-8686. RomanHaveATake.com, at Jim Rome. JimRome.com, I'm on there too. Sports Ryder, Sports R-E-I-T-E-R. A couple hours to go. Mark Redine is coming up in just a few minutes. We'll talk to Alana Rizzo later in the show, talk some baseball. We'll also hit Jeff Zilgit, get his take on the NBA playoffs. In about 30 minutes, I'm going to just lay into, in a serious way, JimRome.com. The one, the only, Mark G underscore Medina on Twitter. Mark Medina to you and me. USA Today, Mr. Medina. What's up, pal? You good? I'm always good when I'm talking to you. How are you hanging in? I can't, I'm great. I can't remember. When we were on my show, I know Sam Amick and Howard Beck fit into this. Uh, I, I'm just going to ask you, and I'll, I'll trust you to be honest. I was a pretty big believer. Here, here comes a super non-humble brag, by the way, Mark. I was a, I, I was a big believer that that the Hawks were going to be a top six team. This is last December, and the Suns are going to be a top four team. And I got mocked on my own show. Did you mock me? I think you might have actually been there with me. I can't remember. I didn't mock you, uh, but because I remember at the beginning of the year, I was bullish that the, both those teams were playoff teams. But I thought that they were, you know, nice. Uh, challenges in the first round, but nothing else. But I, I certainly didn't mock you because I was on board with them as well. I never thought they'd make it. I thought they'd like be really good in the regular season. And actually, I thought the Suns might be interesting. Mark Medina here on the show. Mark, I've got a live trade machine. We were just speculating. Can I just give you a random trade and you tell me the degree of of, of possibility of this? Yeah, trade? let's do it. All right, this is a little little Damian Lillard trade. You ready? All right. So Lillard goes to Philly. Simmons goes to Golden State, something else has to go to Golden State along with that, and a whole bunch of picks, maybe maybe, maybe both the Warriors' first-round picks and Wiseman go up to Portland. I'm, I mean, I, I don't know that you're getting enough yet for Golden State, but do you think there's a scenario where Lillard can be had for, in effect, you know, a recent first-round pick and, and two or three more first-round picks? No, Dam- you're underselling Damian Lillard's value there. I know. Um, how do you do it? I don't know how to do the trade. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing. I think, uh, you know, given where Portland's at, I would. I, we'll see if Daryl Moore would agree to it, but could they entice the Sixers to accept C.J. McCollum and some combination of role players and picks for Ben Simmons? So that way they keep Damian Lillard, they upgrade their defensive issues, and, you know, because you have Dame – and maybe some other offensive depth, the fact that Ben Simmons doesn't shoot or score isn't as much of an issue. And, the, and it also cuts both ways with Philly. Um, they have another really good shooter, gives Joel Embiid space to operate, uh, and, you know, a dependable score. Uh, I think that could be a win-win. But you, you would obviously have to parcel it out with, you know, additional assets to make it, the numbers work. I, I love uh, Mark Medina here on the Jim Rome Show. I, I love that. I think McCollum... Obviously hasn't worked in, in Portland through no fault of his own. I think he'd be a great fit in Philly. I just I was just saying this, Mark, the fact that Chris Haynes, like you, is great at what he does, and maybe unlike any of us, that he has a really close relationship with, with Damian Lillard, 
the report he has that, that Lillard may want out, I think reads a lot more concretely than it otherwise would. I, I'm with you. I just don't know that, that Damian Lillard's at a point where that's what he wants. Yeah, I mean, this is a fluid situation, and it's a pretty significant situation because when I've talked to Damian, when he's talked to others, you know, he's been on record time and time again that he's not about trying to be part of player movement. He believes in Portland. Obviously, they've come up short in the playoffs, but they have been a model of consistency of being in the playoffs and being considered, you know, not a championship contender, but a team that you have to take seriously. And so it's just a matter of adding new pieces time and time again uh, in the uh, paradigm of they're a small market team and there's only so many things they can do. So this is significant, but at the same time, when you look at NBA history, when a player has gone public, whether it's you know them on the record or through back channels that they want out, there is a next step into either – any combination of allowing it to simmer down, that team making moves to appease any frustration of the fact that they're not winning at the, at the pace that they want before getting into actual trade scenarios. So I think that there is a window where this could shake some trees for Portland and prompt them to make moves while also keeping Damian. But we'll have to wait and see. This is a, this is a tough one for sure. Mark Medina here on here on the program, uh, Ty Lue ha- has been not chill, but but relatively you know laid back about. Hey, look, it's three to one. We win the next game. We, we take it from there. And even though my natural inclination might be to kind of rib the guy a little bit, he has been the head coach of a team that has come back from a three one deficit. He has already been the head coach of this team that has come back from two o two deficits. Do you see without Kawhi Leonard, with, with Paul George not playing particularly efficient basketball in this series? Do you see a realistic path forward, let's say for the Clippers, even to win the next two games? I, I don't rule it out, but I don't think it'll happen. Look, I think when you're looking at Game 5 specifically tonight, the thing that I will give credit for is the Clippers are going to be resilient. They're going to give it their best shot. They're going to be aggressive. But I think the Suns just have too much right now, where Chris Paul, he's shedding rust off of his return. Devin Booker seems to be more comfortable playing. You know, uh, with his battered nose, whether it has a mask or not. And the Suns are the real deal. And I think when you're looking at the Clippers, I knew that you weren't going to rip Ty Lue because some of the reasons why the Clippers are where they are with their resiliency goes to his coaching, where when he juxtaposed last year, they didn't have that same resiliency, partly because of Doc Rivers on the sidelines. So I knew that this would be a way for you to illustrate why you were right the entire time that Doc was the problem and the only problem with the Clippers there. <laughs> I wasn't gonna. I, I only do one humble brag per segment because I've gotten so many things right, Mark, that, that it just it would get a little a little tiresome. But I'll say this about being wrong or about Ty Lue or not wrong, just not not correct. I didn't know he was a good coach, and, and I thought the idea people knew one way or the other was a little silly because. A guy like LeBron James can make you look really, really good regardless of your level of excellence. I think the jury is still out, frankly, on David Griffin, and I I like Griff a lot. And I think David Blatt probably wasn't quite the coach that his record suggested that he was before before he went away. But but I'm with you, man. I think in a different situation, in a situation without LeBron, I think Ty Lue's been awesome in in this postseason. Yeah, without a doubt. And look, I think what you're looking at, how do you praise or criticize head coaches? Like, what's just make it clear 
the success and failure of a team starts with the players and their effort level, how they play, how healthy they are. And so, you know, in fairness to Doc last year, I put more blame on Kawhi and Paul George not showing up in Game 7 and the team not having the chemistry, but Doc certainly shares a portion of the blame of not having them ready and making adjustments here with the Clippers situation, it primarily goes down to, you know, they're, they're running out of gas without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, they're, they're assuming a heavier workload. But there's also, you know, them just making boneheaded plays at the end. And that goes, goes down, I think, a lot of it to the players where they're getting open shots. They're not knocking them down. You know, you have a situation in game four where, you know, the Suns are intentionally fouling Paul George not because they think he's a bad free throw shooter, but because they don't want a scenario where they where they get a, get a three pointer to force overtime, and he misses the first free throw. Right. Demarcus Cousins gets the rebound off the intentional miss, so that's good. But then he tries to intentionally miss, but he throws it off the backboard, and he loses possession. Like those are all player inflicted mistakes, as opposed to coaching. But I do give credit to Ty that you know he's you know. I think laid down the, the groundwork with making those guys feel empowered and confident enough that they're not going to completely unravel when things don't go their way. Uh, there's a lot of, I think, pivot points that could have illustrated that when they were down double digits in game three against Dallas after being down 0-2, different times against Utah. And I think because of his steady hand and the fact that he's been more amenable to rotation adjustments, they've been able to course correct a lot better than last season. By the way, Mark Medina, don't don't walk back the the, the, the doc thing. You're, you were right the first time. He is the <laughs> problem. Lean into it. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. Now the world knows it. It's okay. We, are you in Phoenix, by the way? No, I yeah. am in Phoenix. Yep, How, I'm, I'm here for the uh, big game tonight. I'm there next week after, assuming the Eastern Conference doesn't go seven, the Eastern Conference Finals, the Finals will start next Tuesday, and I'll be on the Jim Rome Show filling in next Monday, Tuesday, and then flying straight to Phoenix is it, the, is it the surface of the sun? I just want to know if it's the surface of the sun right now, heat-wise. Uh, you, you want to know what? Is it the same temperature as the surface of the sun? Yeah, it, it's pretty bad. Thankfully, I'm in a hotel. AC is blasting, so yeah. I'm avoiding that. But that walk to the arena, it's a pretty brutal one, even if it's a few blocks. I'm taking Uber that two blocks. Um, Mark Medina, let me ask you this about the suns. And I'm, I, I love the suns. I may or may not have some money on them at 18 to one to win the whole thing. So I really like I'm Chris Paul all the way. Um, but I'm a, I wonder if you think there's a legitimate concern in the next series about Devin Booker and his nose and just the way that he's played, how he's shot the last couple games, and or Chris Paul and and I think the rust will come off. But the fact that he certainly has looked a little rusty so far. I don't think there's concern. I think that you show you saw from game three to four, while you know it's still a work in progress, there there was a lot of quick improvement within a game, and I think that that'll continue to bear itself out. Um, and and with Devin, you know, all you just need is Mother Nature to heal, and and that it does wonders for. It. But as far as his mindset, the one thing that I give him credit for is. You know, he's a really young player, but, you know, when you talk to Chris Paul, like, he calls him, like, the oldest 24-year-old he's ever met. Uh, and part of that is because of not just his work habits, but how he plays through pain. And I give him a lot of credit for that because Patrick Beverly was doing Patrick Beverly things to him in Game 2 where he's trying to get under his skin. 
sometimes it's over the line. Sometimes it's just being physical in a playoff basketball game. And while Devin certainly would clap back and talk trash, it never took him out of his element of how to play the game. Now, that being said, you know, the next game he was struggling to shoot, but I think that he has a resiliency where he takes ownership of that and he doesn't let it frustrate him. And so I I think that their upside is really good, and that's why I think that this is going to be difficult for the Clippers because if there was a window for them to beat the Suns beyond Game 3, it would have happened earlier in the series when Chris Paul was out. It would have happened in Game 4 as Chris and Devin are still trying to find their way and their comfort level. And now, you know, these guys are hitting their stride and are becoming even more dangerous. And, Mark Medina, I'll add this. Because of the scheduling oddity of um, of just how the, the two conference finals are set, if the Suns can win tonight, they potentially could have a lot of time to sit and to rest and to heal for Devin Booker as the Eastern Conference Finals continues. And and before we uh, we let you go, I, I don't know, those breaking news dings in the background? Did Damian Lillard just get just get traded? Um did uh, it might be my phone? Did no, I, it, was, it was more just text uh, from listeners making fun of your commentary. But well, that's ahead. what they always do on the Jim Rome show. To be fair, that's why I have you on. It's nice to look better. I mean, it's just like you know, like when you're short, stand next to a shorter guy. Uh, Mark Medina, Mark G underscore Medina from USA Today. Uh, what do you make of of this this Hawks Bucks series? I mean, Atlanta looked really good for stretches of that game. Obviously, Milton had a huge, huge game, and the Bucks take take control of that series but we've seen Atlanta be down before do you think Atlanta still has a fighting chance in this in, in the Eastern Conference final side I don't I mean the 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 tangible thing is Trey Young's injury scare I mean that that provides a really a, a really significant development because of how just good of a player he is but I think that the Bucks, after losing game one, it was kind of you woke a sleeping giant, and now they're just off and running. That being said, kind of like the Clippers, like the Hawks aren't going to fold. They're going to give it their best shot. They're still going to fight. And so while there might be competitive games and maybe even Atlanta wins another game in the series, I think that this series is no more than six games in the Bucks' favor. And I think it's just clear that at this point they're more experienced, they're more talented to look. Atlanta's exceed everyone's expectations, including mine. So, you know, it's not in their mentality to just think, oh, yeah, we're playing with house money and all this gravy. They're going to fight. But I think at this point they've kind of hit a wall. Mark Medina, last question for you. Speaking of Atlanta, and I think their future is extremely bright, and this is you said it, this is all gravy. Do you think John Collins is a max player? That's an interesting situation for, for Travis Schlenk and the Hawks this, this offseason. Uh, I don't know if he's a max player or not. I think it's telling that they could have signed an yeah. extension to him before the season even started, and they didn't do it. So I think there's the answer there. But he has played really well, and I think you know, knowing how Travis is and how the Hawks have been successful, they're going to do what they can to keep him. And the good thing is he is restricted. Right. So Someone's going to pay him, though. I mean, he's going to yeah, get paid. Well, that, that was the point I was going to make. Like, contractually – it would be very hard for him to leave anyway. But I think from the message standpoint, you saw this happen with the Utah Jazz a few years ago with Gordon Hayward, where you don't want to send a message that you're not showing your appreciation and you're just responding to the marketplace. So I would suspect that even if he's restricted, the Hawks are going to to sign him to what he wants and go from there. But I don't think it's because they view 
oh my gosh, he's a max guy, but it's more of let's keep the train moving. I mean, if they viewed that, they would have taken care of this earlier in the season, but uh, they still have an opportunity to keep him. Read Mark Medina at USA Today. Don't don't text him criticism of me. Just tweet him at Mark G underscore Medina. That's the easier delivery mechanism. Uh, Mr. Medina, barring a, a collapse by the Suns, my friend, I will see you in Phoenix, I guess, a week from tomorrow. Looking forward to it, Mr. Ryder. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for coming on. All right, thank you. Good night now!